podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today we are continuing in our series of FPL team reveal videos. We go and have a look at what the experts and pundits are thinking for their teams at the start of the new season. And I'm very honoured and privileged today to be joined once again by the reigning FPL champion himself. It's Ali. You might know him from uh, Twitter as FPL Guns. He's back. It's the start of a new season. He's got a team ready to go and he's going to share that with us today. It's great to have you here, Ali. How are you doing? Hi David, I'm I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, it's been a you know a good couple of weeks of, of a break after a sensational season. I've, uh, I'm still getting messages of congratulations, and it's uh, it's really overwhelming, and uh, it's nice to be here again. Yeah, well, as you say, uh, we've been on before. We, I spoke to you in the aftermath of you winning the title and um, we were talking about uh, just your general life before we started recording of just the fact that you're still super busy because, you know, now that you are a reigning FPL champion, everybody wants a piece of the pie, don't they? Everybody wants to keep on talking to you and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy year for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, first of all, I'd like to announce that uh, I'm an official scout now. I'm a member of uh, a fantasy football scout family. Um, it's it's been it's been uh, a good season for me knowing all the uh, content creators, but now being amongst the uh, the people that I've been watching on YouTube and uh, getting a lot of tips from, uh, it's it's nice to be a part of the family now. Um, just want to tell you that uh, I'll be sharing some of my videos on my page. It will be on Fantasy Football Scout website. Um, weekly videos with Jenny, um, monthly articles by me. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to the next season. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good. And yeah, regular a regular opportunity to pick your brains each week, uh, especially with with Jani as well. Of course, is is a very entertaining man, but also at the same time very good at FPL. It's going to be fantastic watching that content. I have to say, and yeah, we're just we're just very honoured and privileged to be able to have that on uh, on our channel. So it's uh, very mutually beneficial. Good for us, fun for you, uh, and at the very least, it's going to keep us all busy. So yeah, it's going to be an exciting year ahead. And well, your your year ahead is obviously going to start with the team that you lay out for game week one. And so I've put that up at the, on the screen so far. Now, of course, lots of things are sure to change between now and game week one. But you've had an opportunity to uh, put your initial thoughts into your first draft. And yeah, it's, it's looking, uh, it's very interesting. Lots of, uh, lots of players in there that, um, you know, look, look like good picks. Lots of players in there uh, that look like good differential picks. Uh, I'm going to run through uh, it just uh, line by line for the benefit of the podcast listeners. And then we're going to come into some of the key talking points. So Fabianski and Ariola are the goalkeepers. So West Ham double up there. We've got a starting defence of Estupinian, Shaw and Zinchenko. We've got a five-man midfield of Rashford, Matoma, Saka, Nciso and Mbermo. Uh, Haaland and Jesus up front with a very interesting looking bench of Ake, 
Trent Alexander-Arnold and McAtee from Luton. So the first thing that leaps out to me from this team, which I'd love to um, pick your brains on, is three Brighton players. Some people have got maybe just one midfielder. Some people have perhaps got one midfielder and a Stupinan, but you've got two of their midfielders and a Stupinan. So what's the thinking there? What's the, the theory behind the Brighton love? Um, I think they will go on uh, with their style of football, attacking, creating a lot of chances. Uh, and the, uh, budget-wise, their, their assets uh, really, really, you know, uh, affordable in terms of uh, even if you look at Enciso, he had a price rise of $1 million, But uh, I think with the departure of uh, McAllister, he's the one who will be in number 10 position because they haven't signed anyone yet for that. I think they've signed a striker from Watford, um, Joao Pedro, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So the for me the triple up isn't really um, you know a question because uh, you know you get value with Brighton players, and uh, which triple up was the main question for me. But um, I was basically I'm still considering even Ferguson up top because he's a good value. He's only 0.5 more expensive than Enciso. Uh, but he's playing a striker. So I think uh, a lot will depend on the preseason games because we're, we have to make sure, we all have to make sure that some of the players we're picking are 100% nailed. So in um, CISO, I'm really looking forward because every time you watch him play, even the goal he scored in the last, uh, in the penultimate game of the season against Manchester City, it was just, uh, you know, out of this world. And you can see his uh, drive going forward. You can see his desire, his... A shot from distance is absolutely amazing, and uh, uh, I think he's a you know uh, a future star in the making. So I'm I'm really hopeful that I can. And it's only five point five. Uh, what could go wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean he's priced very kindly, isn't he? For um, you know having him as a differential, you know you're not really losing very much to have a player at that price point. And I suppose in lots of seasons there is usually a player that does well in that bracket, or maybe two or three. And, you know, by having someone penciled in for that price bracket, if you needed to move away from NCISO to, to someone else in that price bracket, I suppose you could. You've made an excellent point about preseason. So I'm just going to use this opportunity to flag uh, the, um, the preseason uh, benefits you do get with Fantasy Football Scout, uh, one of which uh, is the uh, preseason minute spreadsheet, um, which gives you a guide of all the teams that are playing this summer. And it will track every player who has played in the preseason, every position they've played in and how many minutes they've played it in. And so that is going to be very helpful for answering some of your questions you mentioned there about Brighton, uh, especially with European football coming up. You know, there could be a bit of rotation for them. So knowing which of those players are the most likely to be rotation proof, the best way to find that out is to sign up to Fantasy Football Scout membership and access the full version of that preseason uh, spreadsheet. But just bringing it back to, uh, to your team, um, we've also got Matoma in there as well. And I suppose he's in a price bracket uh, for you where you could also have had gross you could have also had march so i wondered uh, if perhaps maybe having matoma was a placeholder you know you've got the opportunity to have one of those 6.5s at brighton when you are uh, more certain over which one is the best or alternatively if you've already settled on matoma as being the best of the three so what's your what's your thinking there i think the uh pricing this year is absolutely amazing in terms of the uh, options we have in a 6.5 7.5 bracket it's um i've i've I think I've count around 13 players uh, over 10% ownership at the moment, which are in a bracket of 7 and 7.5. That means like you can have good quality players for the same 
pretty much the same price uh, that will do, you know, really, really well. And they can rank your, uh, uh, they can actually uh, damage your rank. Um, it's for me, 6.5 is, uh, is, is a budget price is a price that you can uh, basically, you know, play with go down from that, or maybe buy someone else for a million more. Uh, it's Mitomi is by far the best uh, option out there. Of course, I have Mbuma as well, but I'm not I'm, I'm just going there because of his ownership. And uh, this is a question mark uh, for me before the end of the season because I have to see a lot from him in the preseason before I go on him. Hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, we'll certainly talk about Brentford and Dumbumo in, in in a little bit. Um, as for uh, Matoma, yeah, I mean, I can totally see why he's he's everybody's favourite. I mean, of those three, we talked about Gross, March, and Matoma. He is the one who is more advanced um, and more of an attacking threat. Um, are you a little bit concerned about uh, the fact that towards the end of the season he was getting a lot of chances, not putting them away, or do you think that he's going to iron those out in the preseason and uh, get back to his uh, his best in terms of actually sticking those chances in the net? I think uh, he, he had played a lot of games uh, by the end of the season because uh, he's not used to it. I think even Deserby in one of his uh, interviews has mentioned that uh, some of the players have to you know, get used to uh, playing two, three games a week. And uh, Mitoma has done well minute-wise because he was really rotated. And uh, even with the style of uh, play of Brighton, it's an energy-consuming game for them, and I think it uh, could be the reason could be a lot of minutes. But we'll see how the season starts, and um, uh, he's definitely got that quality in him, and uh, he's proven in the last season. Yeah, assist potential, goals potential—it's all there. And for six point five, it's it's just a good option. Mm. Yeah, definitely. The, the price point is is is. I think the best part of it really uh, with him. And I suppose um, th- we've talked about there being 6.5s in other teams and in the same price bracket. My final question on Brighton is in terms of their fixtures because they start really nicely. So, um, you know, I'm obviously very interested in them as well. They've got Luton at home game week one, Wolves away game week two, West Ham at home game week three. They do have Newcastle at home and Man United away game weeks four and five. And their fixtures get a little bit harder after the start of the season. So I wondered if you had already had a look ahead to that. Are you um, happy to, to hold those guys through the difficult fixtures? You know, Do you think they're going to be fixture-proof, uh, which is the term people often use to describe players that can do well in even difficult fixtures or are you wondering about maybe using them to step on to perhaps Chelsea or you know Madison for example is available at Spurs and their fixtures get nicer around that time so I wondered how wedded you were to Brighton uh, relating to their fixtures really uh, the first fixture swing comes in game week three I believe because uh, Chelsea have better fixtures after game week two um, I think uh, was Brighton, uh, I'm not really concerned about their attacking potential because they can score against anyone, uh, just like they did against City. They, they've done it against uh, Arsenal. They've won Arsenal at Emirates, which was a painful watch for me. But uh, <laughs> attacking potential is always there. It's just a matter of um, you know having a defender in a team, whether, whether he starts or not. So uh, I'm not really concerned about attacking uh, players, but uh, triple up might be rare at there, but everybody will have uh, a Stupinian and Mitoma. Having in CISO one extra attacker would be a differential for me. Mm. So uh, that's when you uh, gain over uh, a current template. So yeah. um, 
it's just a matter of maybe rotation in next game week. That's part of the reason why I have uh, two defenders on my bench. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that in a minute because it's a very exciting looking bench, that's for sure. Um, what we've got on the screen right now is the season ticker, which we just talked about Brighton's fixtures there. And so it's just uh, another opportunity for me to very shamelessly plug Fantasy Football Scout membership again because the season ticker is a very, very useful tool for working out when those fixture swings take place, as Ali was talking about, Game Week 3 being the first of those. If you are a Scout member, if you've got the package that uh, gets you the season ticker access, it's fully interactive. So you can uh, flip it and flop it and you can sort it by attack potential, defense potential. Uh, you can sort it by rotation as well uh, all sorts of great things you can do and it's really really useful for helping take your team from one week to the next so uh, yeah make sure you check that out and uh, sign up for scout membership uh, for that reason as well as the preseason stuff as well but let's come back to your team uh, Ali so the one big thing that we also have to ask everybody and uh, I want to say I'm sick and tired of asking this question because I'm asking it a lot but really I'm not I love asking people about Mohamed Salah not in your team but that's not really um, that uncommon, to be honest. He's not in my team. He's not in uh, the general's team. He's not in, you know, uh, Joe's team. I'm just not seeing him in a lot of places. And, you know, I I'm probably seeing him in maybe one in three teams. that I'm sort of looking out on social media or on Fantasy Football Scout or in the comments section of videos, things like that. You are one of us, shall we say, one of the no Salah gang. How much does that scare you? Um, and do you have at the back of your mind a worry that you might, perhaps need to build a salad draft just in case you need it if you panic before the gaming one deadline i've i've tried building it uh building a salad draft but um the rest of my team really looks uh not the way i want it it could be good for the first couple of game weeks but uh i'm planning i'm always planning it a little bit uh long term because uh in that case i will have very very little room for change in terms of the transfers and uh, and with the a lot of uh, new players for Liverpool I, I'm not sure what the style of play they will implement this year because uh, they have a completely new midfield how will they integrate with an attacking three or who, what's the front three uh, the the strongest and starting front three for Liverpool it's it's still up to a debate. So uh, we'll we'll look. Obviously, a couple of games, uh, a couple of good games for Salah before the season starts can really change everything. But for me, uh, price tag of twelve and a half million, uh, it's just a little bit uh, a stretch because um, back in the days when when you know we knew there's only Mane, Firmino, and Salah, you know basically that uh, most of the points will go to Salah. But uh, at the moment, we have Jota, we have Luis Diaz, we have uh, Gakpo, we have uh, some other attackers that really, David Nunez even, uh, you're not sure how they will uh, line up and what's the system change that uh, Klopp is going to implement. So uh, it just, uh, I'm not saying I won't have Salah, but uh, for now, there's just too many good players uh, in the midfield that I want to, uh, you know, utilizing my team. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, a lot of people have talked about not having Salah because of the, the captaincy problem in the sense that you, you'd only probably captain him in one of the first six and that Haaland's 
best uh well, sorry but Holland is still probably one of the better candidates for game week two even if even if he's not the best um is that enough to break your team not really you make an excellent point also about Liverpool as well not people not many people have touched on that yet in that how is the how are the goals going to be spread around that team now Salah of course could be involved in them uh but yeah it's it's very hard to predict what the Liverpool starting lineup is going to be this season and you know if they chop and change a lot for example you know is Salah going to play different roles from one game to the next there's a lot of things to wait and see and I suppose pre-season will help answer those questions but as you say when you boil it down you can just feel a much better team without him so it's yeah it's scary times because we I think we all agree he's a good player but you know we just can't find room for him for now we just got to keep our fingers crossed that he doesn't make us regret it later <laughs> in any case you, you have to uh, you know have it back in your mind uh, that there's a route for Salah without wildcard as well because uh, you might want to put someone, uh, a 9 million player, or someone that you can actually get to Salah easier than, uh, you know. You just have to plan ahead for a circumstance where Salah, let's say, scores a hat-trick again for month and <laughs> you don't have him, and everybody just jumps on it. So uh, you have to keep that in mind. Mm. Yeah, which is very scary because he's so expensive. You'll have to work out ways to get him in. But yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. And as as we said before, preseason will give us an indication of of where he's at. So let's uh, go into the specific positions of your your team in some more detail now. So we'll start with the goalkeepers. We've got Fabianski and Ariola. We've got four point five million and a four million goalie at West Ham. Now, my first question, of course, is is this price point um, influenced? You know, have you did you just want to get a four point five and a four million and place hold it for other people? Are you in, are you interested in the West Ham defence? Um, there's a little bit of uncertainty as to who the first choice goalie is, which could make Ariola a start at four million. For example, so what's the thinking here? Um, how much do you reckon this position could change for you between now and Gemi One? Uh, this is up for grabs for me because it's. Um, I know that potentially Ariola is a 4.0 starting goalkeeper because uh, Fabianski has had a you know uh, injury problems in last couple of seasons, but uh, it's just a it's just a placeholder holder for now. But I'm looking for a good 4.5. Uh, goalkeeper, which I'm not planning to rotate with Ariola. It's just uh, the matter that uh, I think uh, after the uh, under-21s uh, final for England, Trafford is uh, going to be in a lot of uh, teams, so uh, <laughs> I will have to keep uh, keep an eye on him as well. So, But for, for this draft, I think West Ham United, they might have a better season than last year uh, in terms of uh, you know, uh, start of the season but um, we'll we'll see the goalkeeper position is it's still up for grabs it just uh, I, I wasn't sure if Ariola starts in case he doesn't Fabianski is there so and and their first picture is four months uh, away so it's uh, I wouldn't like to you know use transfers to you know change switch goalkeepers but uh, but uh, things don't always go to your plan so <laughs> Yeah, that I wasn't lucky good. with my goalkeeper picks last year either. So, <laughs> I mean, I've got to be honest. It's been a long time, to be honest, since we've we've really been able to to sit on a goalkeeper and yeah. feel like we we got the right solution. So, I mean, I was one of the people that doubled up on the four million goalies last year of Ward and Iverson, which actually worked out for me eventually because I had sufficient patience, which 
by the way, is not me saying I'm an extra patient man. I just had bigger problems to solve and stuck with them both long enough until they went on that little run where they started keeping clean sheets. But most people had, had moved away by the time that happened and it ended up trolling them. And then yeah. a lot of the guys we'd maybe want to have, the, the 4.5s of old, those players that hit that sweet spot in a defense between clean sheets, goal, uh, you know, uh, clean sheets, goals conceded, bonus points, saves, penalty saves, all that kind of thing. A lot of them were five million, and in the end, it proved to be David Raya. But a lot of us never we, weren't, we didn't invest in time, for example. So it's been a long time since we've we've really been able to turn around and go. Do you know what? I got the goalies right this year, so you're not alone. I have to say, you know, and, and of course, I mean, you won FPL. So <laughs> in a year where you didn't feel that happy about your goalkeepers, you know, yeah, it clearly didn't matter. Went well for me, so uh, goalkeeper <laughs> position was one of them. <laughs> Yeah, and certainly it makes sense for it to be up in the air. I think there's we're in a little bit of a goalkeeper um, toss-up in the summer. There's lots of goalkeepers that we're not sure where they're going to end up this year. You know, we don't know what's happening with De Gea. Man United might sign, sign Anana. Raya might be going to another club as well, which might open up Flecken and Strakosha at Brentford, for example. You mentioned West Ham's fixtures. Like, they aren't amazing, but they could get lots of saves there because, like, Bournemouth away, that's not bad. But then it's Chelsea. They, they face uh, Chelsea, uh, Man City and Liverpool. It was three of their first six matches for example could be a lot of saves there potentially for a four million that's for sure um and then their fixtures get a bit nicer after that so yeah but it's not the most exciting position is it and uh you know we have to talk about it but you know it's uh it's not the most fun but what is a more exciting part of your team your team especially we have got five very exciting defenders all in your squad which means you've benched two of them at the moment so it's a stupinian Shaw, zinchenko ake alexander arnold and this is one area of your team that is very different to the template because first things first, I don't think I've ever seen Trent Alexander-Arnold on a bench <laughs> before. And But also just having five defenders. I mean, it's 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 kind of big at the back, but without actually starting five of them. So, you know, it's kind of a half and half version of that. What was your thinking there? The logic behind it is just rotating back line. Um, so I'll be playing fixtures with it. Plus... Uh, I don't like to wildcard early, so uh, I will make sure that I have enough players not to wildcard, and whichever of of these five defenders perform bad, I'll just you know uh, bench him in the next game and uh, you know try to uh, manage the uh, squad as as it is with minimum transfers. So the main logic behind is just save transfers, and uh, since there are a lot of uh, good players in the five million bracket in the defensive options it's just no brain just a no-brainer i cannot pick between you know Ake or arsenal defenders it's zinchenko now but uh, it could well be uh you know gabriel because of his attacking threat uh from the set pieces and um it's just you know a matter of managing your squad i don't want to make uh unnecessary transfers just to you know uh feel good about my team because um I'm always rolling uh, in a second second game week, so I'll I'll pretty much uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that I'll have two free transfers by the uh, game week three, and then I might need a you know mini operation with three transfers made with a minus four, and uh, bringing in players that you know uh, that I needed. So uh, but the uh, the benching Trent Alexander Arnold is yeah it's something that I've gotten a lot of stick for on, <laughs> um, on on Twitter community and uh, I think it has a great great potential against Bournemouth but uh, I'm not sure about Chelsea away 
uh, and plus we have to see how Chelsea develops with uh, Pochettino uh, in charge. And uh, if they're scoring a lot of goals, though, probably Trent will still remain on my bench. But if not, uh, I'm happy to uh, play him instead of uh, not sure who, but I'll make a decision because uh, Chelsea Liverpool games are, you know, uh, often zero zero draws, and uh, the, the clean sheet uh, is not, uh, you know, something that we see uh, rarely in those fixtures. So um, it's it's a possibility as well. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think of uh, Liverpool's fixtures. That is. Is one of the hardest ones. You know, Chelsea could be very exciting this year. Uh, we've done we've done a few bits of content on that. So if you want to go and uh, find out in more detail what we we're thinking, we're going to see at Chelsea this year. Go and check out our scout report on uh, Pochettino and what he could bring uh, to Chelsea. And one thing we're we're mostly all hoping for is that Chelsea are going to score some goals this year. And of course, Liverpool's defence hasn't been too solid uh, in recent years, so it could buck that trend and maybe be a bit more high scoring this time so I can understand why you'd be a bit worried about his uh, his clean sheet potential there and of course he is a lot better at Anfield uh, as well uh, Man City defence is a little bit of a challenge for people um, I originally had John Stones in my first draft but then um, I looked at some of the fi- early fixtures and worried a little bit about rotation because it is Pep and I, I actually I swapped Stones for a stupid now myself but you've still got a Man City defender you've held your nerve so far is Ake who you feel is the best one to own or again is it just a case of Someone's going to emerge, uh, so I might as well just get a placeholder for now. Yeah, it's between him and uh, and Stones, I believe, because uh, I really like Stones in the in the you know inverting um, fullback position, and he scored quite a few goals last year, in, even in Champions League, and uh, he's always a threat. But Ake has the same level of threat that he plays, so uh, it's. It's just uh, it's just a matter of uh, Man City keeping clean sheets, I would say, and uh, we'll see how the um, first game is the Burnley away, and it's the opening game of the season. So I'm not sure if I even want to captain Holland in that game. So that's why he's benched at the moment. The uh, I mean Ake is benched at the moment. Yeah. So uh, and uh, you never know uh, what to expect from Burnley. Um, because it's company in charge, not Sean Dyche. Uh, it could uh, easily turn out, you know, uh, as you know, a tough fixture for City uh, away at uh, Burnley. So um, it's. I like uh, the fact that there's you know so many options in five million uh, price bracket, and I don't want to miss out on any of them. <laughs> once it, one of them is just becoming popular. I have to make sure that uh, I have it in my team without yeah. spending any six <laughs> And it's, it's the other advantage, I suppose, is that if any of the five millions don't start the season too well and maybe a 4.5 does, it's much easier to switch in, in that direction and step down from the five million. Um, you know, we're finding that in a lot of drafts that if you if you overestimate how much money you might need in, in any given position, it does give you a bit of flexibility moving forward. And I suppose a Man City defender almost certainly could be one of those ones you might have to move on just because they rotate a lot or as we saw last season they would do very well in terms of defensive numbers in the sense they wouldn't concede many chances but they would still concede a goal anyway so you know if that trend continues then at the very least you can move Ake on perhaps to a 4.5 or something like that yeah and uh, another thing is that uh, 4.0 and 4.5 is not really appealing for me because there are not there's just not many options Matty Cash from Villa is okay for 4.5, but 
again, like I'd rather have a five million uh, pound player and then maybe switch from him to a, a lower price. But uh, it's just, uh, you know, still just shooting in the air, you know, like shooting in the dark or I shall say. <laughs> we don't know yet a lot. Uh, we don't have data. We There's still a lot of uh, transfers to be made in terms uh, of the Premier League teams. So we'll see how uh, the transfer season uh, develops. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, this, this team will change a lot. So uh, we'll just discuss it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the summer is all about uh, tinkering, isn't it? A lot of it uh, is around yeah. price points and, and teams. So let's move into midfield where price points and teams very much uh, seems to be the foundation for how you've um, picked and chosen there. We've already talked about your Brighton guys, but we've got Rashford, Saka and Mbermo. Uh Let's start with Mbumo because I feel like he's probably the easiest one to talk about because Saka and Rashford sort of come from a realm of which be- which is the best player from that team. I might need a bit more discussion. So let's start with Mbomo, who is overwhelmingly the most popular player uh, from a Brentford perspective. You've already mentioned the ownership. How do you feel he will do this season uh, in a team without Tony? Um, I think that it's it's a little bit of, uh, of a recency bias playing in our heads because he's finished the season well. Um, even scoring against Spurs, uh, leading the uh, you know front line. He's on penalties as well. Uh, he's he's surprisingly really young, uh, that you know than he looks. You know he's only 23 or 24, so he's still got a lot of potential in him, and uh, I think he'll do better uh, than in previous seasons. But I'm not sure if, uh, in the absence of Tony, uh, he will be the uh, playing striker for them because um, he's been really good on the on the right flank, on the left flank, and. I think um, he's just a good, uh, you know, option. Uh, looking at his price uh, tag as well, so Embromo uh, uh, is uh, is one option that I'm I'm you know planning to go against. But for now, uh, he's in my team just because there's no point, you know, of going different from the beginning. But I might consider going against his ownership in a game week one. So, but for now, he's uh, I have nothing against him. He's he's a good option. He's uh, template for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not the end of the world, really, to sometimes pick some players at the start of the season that everybody else is going to have, just to keep you protected in those early weeks so that you're not necessarily starting from the back of the grid uh, in many ways. So, yeah, I can, I can understand that. He very much has become perhaps the first big bandwagon of the season uh, before we really get really get going. But I suppose with Man United and Arsenal, they, they are a bandwagon as a team based around their fixtures and the fact they've got good options and good prices. But oh, there's so many choices here. So we'll start with Man United. That's, again, the slightly easier one. It's in effect Rashford versus Fernandez. There's 0.5 between them. Rashford's the more expensive one. You spent the 0.5 uh, extra to get uh, Rashford. Do you think that he's the, the best option? And do you think that he uh, will, will remain in your team? You know, it, it, how wedded are you to him? If you needed 0.5 later on, would you be happy downgrading to Fernandez? Um, yeah, what's your, what's your thinking on that particular 50-50? I think he's pretty nailed in my team um, because he just uh, a few seasons ago Rashford was a really uh, frustrating asset to own because he would miss a lot of chances. But last season was absolutely uh, you know up his game and uh, he's uh, came back from the injury with a completely different 
animal, and he's. I think he he he's one of the players that must own in game week one because the picture is there. Uh, even with the pricing, I think nine point nine million is quite you know uh, moderate for Rashford. In terms of Bruno Fernandes, uh, I just love the fact that the the FPL decided to price him like that because pricing him over ten millions has always put him away in terms of uh, you know potential and. There was always a good choice uh, when the double game weeks kicked in and only for short term. But now he's a genuine, genuine option for a long term because of his stats, because of his recent performances, because of his attacking potential and because of the penalties, because we're not sure who's taking them, either Rashford or Bruno. So 8.5 for Bruno Fernandes is just amazing. And I love the fact that uh, a lot of midfielders in that uh, price bracket because the, it just makes you know um, template uh, a little bit spread uh, amongst the players that you know there's a lot of options to choose from so that's why having a expensive player just does not put you often you know uh, even Son for example for 9 million uh, no one would even consider him for you know over 10 million but Pricing him at nine and pricing Bruno Fernandes for eight point point five is just amazing move from FPL and it just adds uh, a little bit more excitement in the uh, player speaking because you have a headache and mm-hmm. you uh, you want to have that headache when picking your team you know it, it's uh, pricing doesn't make you make it easy for you. Yeah, you want to have lots of choices, that's for sure. And uh, and having lots of 50-50s is also really exciting as well. It makes match days, you know, there's always a big contrast if one of them does well and one of them doesn't. So it kind of sounds like you wouldn't be too opposed to maybe having both of them, Rashford and Fernandez, if Man United had a really nice run of fixtures, perhaps when maybe Arsenal didn't or some of the other clubs. Absolutely. Yeah, which is yeah, a lot of fun if you yeah, can have them both. Uh, yeah, it all, depends on, uh, it all depends on the preseason, of course. As I mentioned before, there's uh, I've checked the ownerships of midfielders yesterday, and uh, there's around 13 players which are owned by over 10%. And if you just pick one of them, 10% of the game is over a million players. If you don't have a player who's owned by over a million players, you know, and he does well, you know, you definitely get you know destroyed. <laughs> of your rank and i mean so many options and so many um uh, you know when when there's six or seven knowing that there's 13 of them just just a simple math you know uh, you can only fit five midfielders let's say and you'll be missing eight potential players that are you know priced moderately they're really from good teams because manchester city mids united mids Arsenal mids, even Spurs mids, uh, they've all priced in around seven and seven and a half, eight million pounds. So there's too many options. It definitely makes the game exciting. Hmm. Yeah, lots of choice. Well, you've mentioned Arsenal there, so let's move on to them because you've got Saka at the moment, 8.5. Same price uh, as Erdegaard, 8.5. 
0.5 cheap, uh, 0.5 more expensive, I should say, than Martinelli at 8 million. And uh, we've got Jesus up front, so I guess we can we can leave him for a second because we'll talk about his strikers in just a sec. But yeah, the Arsenal attack is uh, very popular at the start of the season. Really nice fixtures, especially that game we won game against Forest. Uh, is Saka your absolute favourite from those three, or can you see yourself switching to Odegaard or uh, Martinelli before the start of the campaign? I think the way he performed for even uh, England and uh, and Arsenal in the last game, uh, Saka is by far the most popular option from Arsenal at the moment because he's on penalties, he's he's a rising star, his stats are up there, and his uh, goals and assists, you know, last season were just amazing. So um, Saka is. Only uh, there's only a way up for him, and uh, he'll he'll improve even more. Uh, the alternatives would be Odegaard and uh, Martinelli, as you know. Uh, but we're not sure about minutes. You know, Martinelli could be uh, you know rotated once the Euro kicks in because uh, let's not forget Arsenal's playing Champions League this season, and uh, uh, for the start of the season. Um, I think they will pretty much stick with the same 11 like last year. Uh, only a few arrivals like uh, Declan Rice, for example. It's not announced yet, but uh, I think it's officially done. And um, in the midfield, uh, it will just bring a lot of stability. And uh, But uh, maybe in attacking options, I don't think it wa- uh, you know there's a wrong way of playing it when, when you pick... Martinelli or even Kai Howards or Odegaard, it's still, you know, these are really, really hot differentials out there that you can go for. So uh, this, the points will be widespread between those players, and uh, I don't think you will do much wrong by picking Martinelli or even Havertz if he plays in a, you know, in a Jaka role. I think there's a lot of options, and... Uh, Basically, Saka is just up there because of the some of the set pieces and uh, penalty appeal. Yeah, those definitely uh, help his appeal. And one thing I've noticed is that he has the vice-captaincy tag on him at the moment, Saka. And you have already sort of alluded to the idea that you maybe feel that Haaland's not necessarily the captain for you in game week one with that game away at Burnley. So um, you are basically the first person I've come across who's... uh, who's even dared to go against, you know, the church of Erling Haaland, that, you know, religious institution that it has become uh, for the captaincy, for sure. Um, is there the possibility that you might captain an Arsenal player in game we won with that Forest game? Absolutely. Absolutely. It will be, uh, you know, hard to take if the first game of the season and a hat-trick from <laughs> Haaland <laughs> goes in and uh, you have to watch the, the whole, you know, all the other games afterwards and... Uh, but it's an it's a possibility. It depends on the season he, he you know on the preseason he has, and uh, uh, some of the away games he's really had difficult times back back last season. And uh, I think it's an option. It's an option. I wouldn't rule out captaining uh, Salah, even Rashford against Wolves. I think it's a good option. 
Yeah, well, fingers crossed we get a little bit of uh, a bandwagon going for Captain and those guys so that we've got, as you say, difficult decisions even with the players already in our team, let alone the ones who we don't have. So, yeah, I'm going to keep a keen eye on that. I'm going to be very interested to see who you do you do go with. And I suppose your commitment to Arsenal attack is obviously very uh, obvious because you've got Jesus as well. Uh, so, yeah, talk us through having him in your team. Good price point, I suppose, £8 million And, uh, yeah, maybe a good stepping off point later in the campaign with some good early fixtures. Yeah, that was a pick between uh, a combination of Enciso and Jesus against, uh, you know, Ferguson and Martinelli. So the price points are there, which uh, it will pretty much depend on uh, on the preseason again. And uh, depends how well Ferguson goes for it and how good of a form Jesus has right, right before the start. Jesus has a high ceiling, even though he's, you know, uh, he hasn't really... Um, you know, fulfilled the potential that he had, uh, but he has a good ceiling. I think in one of the first games last season, I think it was uh, Leicester at home. He scored a brace and a brace of assists as well. It was a 19-pointer for him. So he's got that, you know, high ceiling of uh, potential high ceiling in him, but uh, he could only be you know, uh, choose, you can only you, you cannot have all of them, and it's only three players from Arsenal you can choose. But it will be basically uh, uh, Ferguson and Martinelli versus Enciso uh, and Jesus. So just a combination of Brighton and Arsenal players that I'll, I'm planning. Yeah. Yeah, that combination is, is quite a useful way of looking at it. Do you, do you feel, and I suppose in those two pairings, that's something you'll be looking at in pre-season to see which of those two um, looks the most useful. I suppose Martinelli and Ferguson are perhaps the two that are more, have bigger question marks over them in terms of rotation. That's probably what you need to look out for, right? Yeah. And with Enciso, I forgot to tell that he's, he's played uh, in every position I've found. Number nine, number 10, uh, on the right, on the left. So, He's one of the players that are versatile enough to play at, in, in every single position. That might keep him in a team, but uh, you never know with Deserve. He likes to, you know, uh, play his youth as well. So we'll see how it develops. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that is uh, going to be much easier, as I said earlier, uh, if you do have scout membership and you can follow things on the preseason minute spreadsheet. So one last reminder before we go uh, of heading to Fantasy Football Scout, go to Members Benefits and pick the package that is uh, right for you. Um, you obviously will um, get some preseason prices if you sign up now as well. Um, you're going to get the, the preseason minutes tracker, season points projection, uh, team transfer planner. You obviously get access to drafts from the best fantasy managers as well. So do not forget to sign up for that uh, so you can follow this, the preseason uh, to the best of your ability and then beat your mates in your mini leagues because you found all these amazing players before they did that's uh, the important thing but yes thanks very much uh, for joining us today Ali it's been great to uh, to have you on as you mentioned earlier you can, ch- uh, can catch a lot more of the reigning FPL champion on uh, Scout this year in terms of articles and uh, videos as well and he also which everybody keeps forgetting to mention this by the way he also came 215th the year before so you know this isn't just a fluke champion this is a guy who really knows what he's talking about hopefully, hopefully you agree with that Ali you've got the confidence to say that <laughs> Thanks for the praise, but uh, it would be ironic if I, you know, really failed this season. And after all that praise, just uh, finishing uh, in 500k, and uh, that would be just ironic. So hopefully not, but uh, we'll see how the season goes. Yeah, well, we've got all our fingers crossed for you, mate. It'd be uh, yeah, good to see you have another good campaign, and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing your videos and and, and your articles as well. So yeah. Likewise. But yeah, thanks very much uh, for joining us, as I said, Ali, and I will leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your tinkering with your teams, and we will see you next time.
Bye-bye.